weekend. Happy New Year, everybody. For those of us here in Michigan, we woke up to like the most gorgeous picture of just snow covering the trees here. So I was telling the the staff and Carla and Avery before we got on that like I just kind of stood at the window and looked outside for like five minutes with my coffee. It was so nice. Um, this morning's also Epiphany on the church calendar. And Epiphany is when we celebrate that time when the Magi from the East came to visit the newborn baby Jesus in Bethlehem. So that's the story that we'll focus on here in a moment. But before we do that, I want to let you know that we're going to have a guest speaker next Sunday. So we've asked the Reverend Dr. Harold Trulier to speak to us. He's an associate professor at Howard University Seminary. And so he's going to share some of his story and his work. And I actually met Dr. Trulier. This seems like maybe the most COVID moment. I met him on Twitter. <laughs> And after some chat and back and forth, um, discovered he's an ex-evangelical progressive theologian, and he largely works with former prisoners who are re-entering their communities. So I asked him if he would share some of his story about how he left evangelicalism, about what he cares about most in his work as he like teaches and trains future pastors, and then some of his work on prison re-entry. So while Zoom has some of its drawbacks, one of its perks is we can have guests that we otherwise probably couldn't afford to fly up to Michigan. So I don't think you'll wanna miss next week. I'm really looking forward to it. And then after that, we're going to start a sermon series using the book of Ecclesiastes, which is a book that just speaks to my Gen X heart. And I think it offers us a few little nuggets of wisdom that could be helpful for you know, seeing us through some of these cold gray days in January and February. So that's where we're headed before Lent. But we'll get back to the sweet baby Jesus right now. So when I moved to Ann Arbor 20 years ago, I had a roommate from Madrid, Spain for a few years, and her name was Maria. And Maria was, she was just an incredible cook. I credit her with teaching me how to be a good cook. Because I feel like she explained to this, this Hoosier gal, you know, I was raised on meat and potatoes. She told me that like acid and salt wake food up and that like completely changed my life. And one of the things that Maria cooked that was new to me was a king cake, which she would make every year on Epiphany. So you might be familiar with king cake because it's sometimes made for Mardi Gras as well. But the way Maria would make a king cake was she would bake like a sweet cake in a round circle, right, in the shape of a big hollow circle. And somewhere in the dough, she would hide a small ceramic figurine of Jesus in it as a baby. And so then you serve the cake and you cut it for friends and family. And then whoever bites into the baby Jesus is, I don't know, it was like king or queen for a day or something. And if you think too hard about it, it's a little bit odd and a little bit horrifying to bake a baby into a cake. But maybe the whole point is that we find this sweet baby Jesus hanging out in all kinds of unexpected, maybe even dreadful places. And like the Magi in the Epiphany story that the cake celebrates, we also can discover God in these unlikely spaces. So the Gospel of Matthew is where we find the story of the Magi from the East who come to visit Jesus after he's born. I'm going to copy and paste the first half of this into the chat so you can read along with me and then we'll do the second half of it. All right, Matthew 2, 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. 
When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go, search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too might go and worship him. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So I'd like to offer just three brief thoughts on this story that I thought might be helpful to us in our particular time and place. Because I don't know about you guys, but for me, taking in a lot of information has become increasingly difficult as COVID goes on. I don't know if you've found that for yourselves, but that's definitely true for me. So I'm going to try and make these kind of like bite size. I was thinking like bite size snicker bars. So the first thought here is that we remember this story every year to remind ourselves to humbly receive the gifts of people who are not like us. Right? We remind ourselves to humbly receive the gifts of people who are not like us. Right? So some scholars think the Magi were maybe Persian intellectuals from modern day Iran. Um, some believe maybe they came from as far as China. And there's not really any way I don't think that we could ever know for sure. But for me, the most compelling case that I've read is that they were probably from the Arabian Peninsula, mainly because that's where frankincense and myrrh were like naturally available there. And then the earliest Christian writers up through the third century all believed that the, the Magi were Arabs. I'm going to put a few of them in the, in the chat there. So it seems like it was part of like the common knowledge or maybe part of the oral history that these Magi were actually from the Arabian Peninsula. But regardless, for Jesus's parents, the Magi were foreigners, right? And they practiced a different religion and they came from a different culture. And yet Mary and Joseph received them and they received the gifts that they bore and they recognized that they were sent by God. And this kind of hospitality that Mary and Joseph practiced in receiving them, I think when that's done in a wholehearted way, it's actually like a risk-taking activity, right? It, it requires like a generosity of spirit where we open ourselves up to people who are different than us, even though we're not quite sure where that could lead. And I think so often when we open up to people who are not like us, we actually find that God is present in that person or that situation or in that opportunity for engagement. I know that I found that to be a really helpful posture when interacting with people of different faiths, right? So as a follower of the way of Jesus, I don't come to it with any notion that like I have the corner on understanding God. And so I think that's a helpful way for us to look at the gifts of the Magi. And it's right up front in the Jesus story, right? It's right at the very beginning. And I think it beckons us to ask, are we able to welcome people from different backgrounds and recognize that they carry some treasures of God as well? And so I know here at Blue Ocean and some of you even on here today, like some of us are Jewish and Hindu. Some of us are atheists and agnostic and 
a few of you incorporate aspects of your indigenous faiths. And I think that we're all the richer for being able to listen to these different perspectives on faith together. And that when we do that, we can be really greatly blessed by the light of God breaking into our lives. If you've known me for any amount of time, you know that one of the things that like I'm really passionate about as a pastor is that white American Christians need to recover our humility for those of us on here who are white. And I think that this story is just such a prime story to remind us of the importance of this characteristic of humility um, in more than one way. Because the second thought that I want us to ponder is that these magi didn't find Jesus in a palace. Right? They didn't find Jesus in the places of power. And that these wise men had probably been traveling across deserts for maybe even weeks. And they'd been following the star and they got pretty close to Bethlehem, right? They arrived in Jerusalem, which is like eight or nine miles from Bethlehem. I, it made me think when I was writing this, it made me think of like Amy and Neil McNeil when Amy shared they lived in Israel for a while. I studied in Jerusalem for a few months. And I remember one of the most surprising aspects of the geography was just how close Bethlehem and Jerusalem are to each other. And that at certain parts of each city, you can see one from the other, right? So these magi arrive and they're in the vicinity and they did what was probably most logical for them, right? They know that the star signified a new king or that's what they believe. So they went to the palace to inquire about it because they thought, well, if a king's been born, probably he's part of the royal family. But they didn't find Jesus in the seat of power. And then what they did eventually find was this small vulnerable baby in modest surroundings in the arms of a very young unwed mother. And I just think this wasn't what they pictured probably when they were back in Arabia. I imagine that they thought that they would be brought to the courts of like a royal residence and treated like honored guests who were coming to pay respects to this new king and they came bearing really expensive gifts. And so you think they might be disappointed with the end scene that they actually discovered. And yet the text tells us that they were overjoyed, right? It was unexpected finding this king who doesn't yet seem to be a king in a manger. You know, it's a little bit like biting into a ceramic baby in the king cake. It's a little, um, a little shocking even. So we can picture these wise people maybe talking among themselves when they traveled back home and just kind of musing what might be in store for that baby to have had the heavenly shout so loudly that something important was happening in that small village in Judea. So I think this story helps us understand that Jesus is less often found in the halls of power and most often found in everyday places, right? That God is present for us in our work meetings, in our interactions with our kids, and even in our isolation. And then the third and final thought I want to offer is that God spoke to these wise people so many years ago in a language that they understood, right? They understood the stars, so likewise, God communicates with us in whatever language we understand. Like maybe it's the beauty of the snow on the trees this morning or the snuggles of your pet or the kind words of a friend or that still small voice in your heart as you take a walk outside. You know, the Magi were on a pilgrimage, but a pilgrimage in Christianity is very often it's an interior journey. Like we can take pilgrimages, but very often it's an interior journey, right? It's a mystical experience. And maybe even more especially right now, since most of us are confined with our travel and our interactions. And so what I found helpful for this interior pilgrimage right now in this COVID time for me is centering prayer. And anything for me right now that requires like too much concentration 
is just like overwhelming or unsustainable, if that makes sense. Like if it requires too much extra. Um, there are certainly practices that can help train our brain to do things like centering prayer more effectively. Like you can put work into it if you want. But the bottom line is just really simple and I think could be helpful to us right now. And it's this, just be with an awareness of God, right? Just be with an awareness of God in your everyday life. Right, so I'm going to put these three things into the chat here. Oh, it didn't come up with the numbers, but one, humbly receive the gifts of people who are not like us. Two, remember that Jesus is less often found in the halls of power and most often found in everyday places. I think we can say amen to that as we read the paper every day. And three, God is with us, present and available and speaking whatever language we can recognize. And so I encourage you this week to pay attention to those moments of being aware that God is with us here in the everyday. Um, and so for our meditation, I want to practice this awareness of God, but actually I'm just adding this in at the last minute because I found it helpful, a little nugget that Brandon shared. Actually, I don't know if Brandon's on this morning or if he, I don't know if he is. He wrote something on Facebook that I actually found really a helpful reminder. And it was funny because I went to tell Rachel and she's like, oh, I saw that too. I think it was helpful. Um, he said, you know, just a reminder that you can't process trauma while you're in it, right? There's things that we can do to make ourselves feel more safe, I think. And we talked about some of those things after the election. Um, <laughs> Mari is cracking me up, sorry. Right, there's things that we can do to feel safe, like exercise, hugs, like all of these, all these tools that we have and those are good. Um, but I think I can say, at least in my own life and the people I've been talking to, it seems like we're in this weird space where we're starting to feel the blending of feeling a little bit of hope and a little bit of safety because there's a vaccine out, but it's not yet widely available. Some of us have had it, not me, but some of us here at Blue Ocean who are nurses and doctors. Um, like we can kind of sense the light at the end of the tunnel and it's like just enough safety for our minds to start to process emotion. And so you might recognize yourself just feeling like sad out of the blue. Like I talked to one person who said they just started crying, making dinner, and they didn't really know why. Um, or you might find yourself feeling especially like snippy or a little bit, you know, um, yeah, just like a little bit angry of maybe your partner or people that you're living with. And one of the people that I spoke with this week was talking about the sadness a lot. And I, I just want to remind you, like, if you find yourself like, having suicidal thoughts or, you know, like really unfunctional for like a good two weeks in a row, like you can't get out of bed. I, that's a time to get like professional help. Certainly if you're having suicidal thoughts, reach out um, and text, call anybody. Um, I'm available. I'm sure anybody on our staff would be, but that these days or moments of sadness are actually very normal. And I found that helpful to remember as you might experience certain moods kind of coming in and out. And so I was thinking with this, with this idea of having this awareness of God, like I had a really sad day yesterday. I woke up feeling fine today, but for whatever reason, just like, yeah, just kind of like a real moodiness. Um, but even in that, just kind of having this awareness of God with me in that and not feeling like I have to do anything to earn that. But part of that sort of um, centering prayer or contemplative prayer is just this awareness. I don't have to do or be anything 
to know that God is here and that I am loved just where I'm at. So for our meditation, that's what I'm going to offer to us here. I know if you have kids or pets nearby, it, it might be a little bit hard to do this right now, but maybe you could steal a couple minutes later if you're able. And we're just going to take like almost two full minutes to just be with this awareness of God. And I thought if it helps you um, to use a breath prayer to do this, I'm going to copy and paste this in. So a breath prayer we just use to help us sort of get our mind calmed down. So on the in-breath, you could say, I remember your light. And on your out-breath, I rest in your love. I remember your light. I rest in your love. And that's something you could pull out of your pocket this week if you're having any of these you know, sort of moments of, of intense feelings. So I'll let us know when the time's up, but let's just sort of get ourselves comfortable, take some deep breaths. I remember your light. I rest in your love. Go ahead. Spirit, may we experience these moments of your light and your love as we go through our week this week, and maybe especially in those moments where we need to feel your comfort the most. May we find you in unexpected places, um, and may we find it maybe even in unexpected people. In your name we pray. Amen.